Hey everyone, welcome to the Work Friends Podcast, where we bring meaningful conversations to you. I'm Jen Brubaker, and I'm here with my co-host, work and real friend, Ainsley Stanley. This season, we're chatting with people from different walks of life to hear their stories and how God has been faithful throughout. So grab a snack, drive to work, do whatever you need to do, and enjoy today's episode. Today on the podcast, we have Tim Coles, who is the National Director for Youth for Christ Canada and has been with YC for over 25 years. He is a dad, a husband, a hockey chaplain, and so much more. We're so excited to hear his wisdom and his heart for God and people. Enjoy! Well, Tim, thank you so much for joining us. We really appreciate you taking the time to chat with us. Um, it's a real honor to have you here. I'm honored to be here. I, I'm one of your first subscribers. I think this is so exciting. <laughs> yes, when we heard that, we were very, very excited. So we know you a little bit, but so other people can get to know you a little bit. We like to do this sometimes, and it's some rapid fire fast facts. So I was going to ask you some questions. You can answer as fast as you can. I'm ready. Uh, so first off, where did you grow up? Uh, London, Ontario. How do you take your coffee? Black. Yes, I appreciate yeah. that. Pure. I'm a uh, what's, <laughs> uh, what's your biggest pet peeve? Uh, being sticky after being out in the sun. Mm. Ooh, good one. Yeah. What is your go-to karaoke song? Oh, um, Goodbye Says It All by Blackhawk. <laughs> what is your dream car? Oh, my son would laugh. Uh, a Volkswagen Golf Sport Wagon TDI. Wow. Your favorite hockey team? Peterborough Pete. Uh, you've done a fair bit of traveling. You used to do a lot of that for work before COVID. Where's the best place you've been? Oh, Thailand, probably. It's the coolest place. Um, but best place? Yeah, there's a lot of great places. I love Vancouver, love Vancouver, love Kelowna. I don't have a best place. I love uh, every place, but Montreal has the worst roads. The second worst roads are Peterborough, Ontario, where I live. Mm. <laughs> we were in Montreal back when we could travel not too long ago and can confirm the roads are fun. Jen had a great time. It's been a uh, stressful time. <laughs> <laughs> How many kids do you have? Two, two boys. Uh, Clay is 21 and Eli is 16. I just got married uh, in the fall. And so I have a daughter-in-law now, Juliana. Nice. What's the coolest thing you've ever done? Coolest thing? I don't know. Um, prop, okay. One of the most cool, lately, uh, we were backstage watching Dallas Smith perform at the Molson Amphitheater uh, with Dean Brody and the Reclaws standing on either side of us. Um, and the, the guy who does, who runs uh, Spotify's country music playlist was beside us too. And the most fun part was Dallas Smith's wife was also right beside us. And he didn't know that she was there and he was singing a song, uh, that was, that he wrote for her. And so then he just looked over our way when, when he got to like a part and he saw her and just to see his eyes light up for her, it was pretty, he'd be on the road for a while. It was pretty cool. That's wow. so cool. <clears throat> yeah. That's awesome. Uh, what's your 2021 Stanley Cup pick? 
I wish I could say the Leafs. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, oh, yeah, the Leafs. Because <laughs> I want them to win so badly, but it's probably going to be yeah. Tampa. Yeah. Uh, classic Leafs fan answer. Um, yeah. Do you like waffles or pancakes better? Pancakes. Uh, what's your favorite meal? Uh, oh, <laughs> maple glazed uh, barbecued smoked salmon. <clears throat> wow. Yep. That's my wife makes it at least once a week and it is unbelievable. Nice. Are yep. you a morning person or a night person? I got up at 4.30 this morning. Wow. Wide awake. Wow. Ready to go. That's I'll be exhausted amazing. tonight. <laughs> I aspire to be like that one day. Uh, if you were not at Youth Unlimited, what would you be doing? Oh, I don't know. Um, I, lo I love what I do. I, I just almost can't imagine doing anything else. But uh, I don't know, maybe, maybe involved in the hockey chaplaincy world, like more on a leadership level, uh, maybe in entertainment, involved somehow with an entertainment company, management company or something, um, promoting Christian artists, something like that. Cool. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, we're very thankful that you do what you do too. So uh, yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean, that covered a lot. That's basically all we need to know about you is, you know, you like maple salmon and that you want the leaves to win. Uh, but, you know, maybe I'll just hand them to you to just tell us a bit about yourself, what you think people might like to know about you. Uh, I'm just a Canadian kid, grew up in Ontario. Um, I was born in Barrie, Ontario, lived in Sarnia for uh, seven or eight years when I was really young did my growing up years in uh, London and then moved to Bancroft when I was uh, in my last year of high school, which was the best year of my life um, up to that point, you know, up to that point, just because I didn't care what people thought of me. And I just had a great fun time. I was actually in two full pages in the yearbook um, in my last year of high school. I wore a super, a super cow cape all the time. Um, and uh, I ran every running event, guys and girls, uh, junior all the way to senior in track and field day, um, you know, all that kind of stuff. So I just had a great year. Um, met my wife in Bible college in Toronto at OBC, which is now Tyndale University and Seminary. Um, we lived in Whitby for a while and then Havelock east of Peterborough. And now we live in Ennismore, just north of Peterborough. We live in, a, <clears throat> we live like 15 minutes from everything in Peterborough. Like we're right on the edge of town, but we live on, a, on the side of the lake. We don't live on the water, but on, we can see the water. And uh, we love where we live. It's a great place. Um, my, uh, Christine and I ran um, a youth camp. Uh, that's actually how we got into YFC. Uh, we ran a youth camp at Joy Bible Camp at Bancroft for uh, a long time, many years. And so um, that was kind of our, in entry to youth ministry and loved it and love camp and we have a trailer up at the Skoka Bible Center up at NBC uh, now so we're still involved in Christian camping every summer and uh, yeah that's a little bit about me. <clears throat> mm. When you were younger what did you think your life was going to look like? Well my dad in London owned a fuel distribution company and that's what I was going to do. I mean I was going to work for my dad and then eventually we would run it together and then you know one day that I would you know sort of buy a moat and take over that was sort of the talked about plan you know uh, and then my my dad got uh, he just really felt the call to leave, sell his business and uh, run joy bible camp in bancroft and so uh yeah that killed that and uh, but that was that was all good um, so we're so thankful now but that was i thought i was going to be in the fuel oil business 
Uh, interesting. I love yeah. that question when you see people who are in ministry just to see what their uh, their thoughts were for what they were going to do, because a lot of people did not see themselves doing what they're doing. Mm-mm. Um uh, this question I have for you, what life experiences have taught you the most about God? Suffering, pain, difficulty. Um, those, those things have taught me the most about God. Uh, we, I mean, we've had a great life. Uh, it's not like I, you know, I, I've been in a horrific car accident and, you know, had to, you know, be strapped to a, you know, a bladder bag or whatever you call those. Like it's not been that kind of suffering, but, um, we've had, um, we've gone through experienced um, infertility and um, adoption and failed adoptions and um, a car accident that actually did injure my wife and you know created years and years of <clears throat> chronic pain and challenge with that. So, but th- those things have been what have drawn me closest to God uh, for sure. And then just His provision, um, like just seeing Him provide, like when we, like you know, in YFC, right? We totally trust the Lord every day for everything and. And to see his provision, to see him in getting people to get behind what we do and and to, to them respond to his call is just incredible. Hmm. That's a, we've been interviewing, we, you're probably, mm, I could be wrong in saying this, probably like the seventh person we've um, interviewed so far for or had conversations with, for this season specifically talking about God's faithfulness and provision. And almost every single one has had the same response that suffering is how God has taught us the most. (laughs) And for non-believers or for like, it just doesn't make sense that God would use suffering in those ways to refine us and to develop character and um, to see our need for him. And in the moment, it sucks. Yeah. <laughs> it, it really diff- sucks. difficulty is what everyone relates to, right? We all yeah. want to present these perfect lives that we've got it all together and all this stuff. Like we look at somebody and go, oh my goodness, look mm-hmm. at their life. Like that's incredible. Well, we do it on Instagram and stuff all the time, right? The perfect photos and everything else. But who shows up to that seminar? Mm-hmm. Nobody. They show up to the seminar of, I lost my leg to a landmine and here's how I persevered and this and that, or you know, my parents died when I was this age and we had to provide for ourselves as kids. And, that, and then we hear something, we're like, we're all, you know, crawling to that one to find out how did they do it? Because we all relate to suffering. So I think that's probably why. Mm-hmm. As you look back on your life, what's been a common theme throughout? God's faithfulness, regardless of me, um, just, you know, regardless of my, you know, deliberately trusting in him or not, um, uh, I can remember even one time as a teenager, I was, we had just moved to Bancroft. And um, so I was out fishing on a lake and I'd never fished for, I was trying for lake trout. I'd never been out for lake trout before. And I had no idea how to catch them. I just threw a line behind a boat and trolled it. Um, it was probably going down like three feet. Like it wasn't, it was the wrong thing to be doing. I should have been down 35 or 40 feet. Like I was just doing everything wrong. And I was having this crisis of belief. I was just like, God, like, are you there? Like, are you really there? Um, you know, I just didn't feel him, didn't, um, just needed to know that he was there. And so I, I'm bawling my eyes out fishing by myself, 18 years old out in the middle of the lake, it's raining. And, um, and I said, Lord, if you're there, please put a lake trout on my line, you know, by the time I get to that point over there. And, uh, 
and he and it's like i'm trolling along i'm going what a stupid thing to ask god for like why why would it like there's so many important things going on in the world why would god you know put a lake trout on my line and everything else and so anyway i got to that point with my boat and i was like no lake trout and uh, i just kept going and i was just feeling depressed and then all of a sudden wham i got one and as i looked back my line was at the point it was behind me and uh, I brought in the biggest lake trout I've ever caught um, to this day um, and it was like and just God reminded me I'm I'm here I'm with you I am it's just so fun. like he doesn't do that for everybody but he did that for me that day so mm. you've talked about suffering you've talked about a bit about your family um, what's been the hardest lesson God has taught you as you reflect on your life um, I think like, you know, to, 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 to trust him, which is really ridiculous because I've had millions of no, thousands of, you know, examples of him, his faithfulness throughout our lives, my life, I don't consider my life, my life anymore. It's our life. It's our family, Christine, my wife and I, and our kids. Um, but the, <clears throat> the hardest lesson was trust me, trust me. And, uh, I'll never forget when we were adopting our oldest son, um, we were at sick kids and he was he had cerebral palsy and i was walking i I had i just before we'd signed the paperwork i i I just said you know i just need to pray i just need to go talk to god about this and uh, i went down to the the atrium at sick kids and i just had my head down put in front of starbucks there and starbucks is my favorite coffee by the way (laughs) and i just said god you know show me what this is going to look like like i just you know i'm in but like just help me see what you know because i just can't wrap my head around what this is going to look like and and just then i lifted my head and there's a father and a son walking past and the boy was probably 13 and he had his crutches and he was walking along with that exaggerated you know tight muscled walk and the dad and the father were laughing and walking through the thing and i'm like i can do that and you know just his faithful just that you know like that at that moment when i am crying out to god he he brings an example of what it could look like. Now it didn't end up looking like that because and this is another story, but uh, my son was healed of cerebral palsy completely. Um, and uh, so that's, that's a miracle. Um, but yeah, it was just, um, just, he's faithful. He is faithful. Wow. That's, that's so good. And I, yeah. And I mean, Jen mentioned it too, like that suffering is really what has, what teaches us. And uh, it's funny. Cause I, I remember <laughs> my 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 youth pastor when I was in high school he told me he's like sometimes I pray that you guys will go through suffering so that you will learn about the goodness of God and I was like a very dramatic 16 year old I was like you pray that I'm gonna go through hard things I was like what kind of youth pastor are you and it's funny now because I laugh and I think like okay maybe he was on to something uh that I didn't understand maybe quite as well when I was 16 years old, but I think that it is such a big um, lesson. How has suffering changed your prayer life or shaped your prayer life? Um, I think it's just that to always be in communication with God, even when you don't understand and even when you're angry with him, Um, that would be what, that was the biggest lesson that I learned. And I remember in particular, when we had uh, we had our our first attempt at adopting, we it was it didn't work out. It we called a failed adoption. So like no one knows how to grieve that, right? I mean, we have 
people know how to grieve a, a miscarriage, um, maybe a late, a late uh, stillbirth like me or the death of a child. But how do you grieve uh, a failed adoption? You know, you kind of go, oh, well, maybe next time, you know, maybe then uh, like it's 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 so so challenging right so anyway i just we were devastated I mean, we had the bedroom already the baby you know the baby's room already everything we were supposed to bring the baby home where we we're just waiting for the phone call that come pick the baby the baby up and we got the phone call which was the birth mom has changed her mind and which we knew she had every right to do and and now we're so thankful that she did you know um but at the time it was devastating and and I just remember going to sitting down in my in our front room and early in the morning, uh, back to the first question, I'm an early riser, uh, early in the morning, open my Bible, close my Bible. And I said, God, I just can't do this right now. And I did that for about a week. And I opened my Bible to where I had left off, you know, where I would pick up it and I would close it. I just can't, I just can't do it. What I realized after about a week was that every morning, I was talking to God, telling him that I just couldn't do it. I just couldn't open his word and read it. And uh, so after, and it was like a week and, and everyone deals with these things differently. Um, you know, for me, the grief uh, was the heaviest for about a week, you know, for my wife that lasted months. Right. So, but about a week later, I opened my, my Bible and what do I read? Second Corinthians chapter one. It starts at verse three. It says, God is a God of comfort who comforts us in all of our struggles so that we can comfort others who suffer the same things we suffer with the help we ourselves receive from God. <laughs> that's, that's what he had for me, right? But I needed, I needed a week to just, just let him know that I was too angry, that I was too hurt to talk to him. And then he had this wonderful gift for me when I was ready for it. And that has shaped that past. I mean, you saw that I didn't read that anywhere. I, I memorized that. Um, that has been that has been a go-to passage of scripture. Walking with people who are suffering um, with different things, whether it's I have a very very good friend right now, uh, and and his his wife is dying right now of cancer. We don't know how much longer she's got, and we 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 come together around that passage. Um, and you know, there's been other situations where. Uh, you know, I've had a hockey player that I've been working with who has been injured in a career, you know, a season ending or career ending injury. And, and I use that passage of scripture to walk with them through that. And uh, so, yeah, that's been, that has, so suffering has, so my prayer life has been just always communicate, don't stop, you know, be, just even if you're upset with God and you can't open the word today, just let them know that. And that's keeping those lines of communication open and not shutting off. Mm. I think that's so important to talk about because, I mean, we work with youth and, and even chatting with friends too. And me personally, we are in those moments where it's so easy for emotions to dictate that what is true, even though that is not necessarily, uh, they're not, our emotions aren't always reliable in those situations that there's so much safety that comes from being with him. Like it, his, being in his presence is the safest place we can be. That my friend just texted something like a little thing from blip from Tim Keller talking about that. I'm like, she's like, at camp, you told me this. And I wrote it in my notes on August 1st, 2018. And you said something about the communion of God. And I'm like, what? Maybe I should start writing down the things that I say, because like it brought such a comfort to me that God desires to be in communion with us. Yeah. 
Absolutely. Another, another story, um, again, around how prayer shapes your prayer, your pain or suffering shapes prayer life. So um, this car accident that my wife and I had left her in a lot of pain for, for many, many years. I mean, she's still, she's still suffering uh, from that. And this was the two weeks before our wedding, almost 30 years ago. Wow. And, uh, and one, this one morning, like we, our kids were little and, you know, it was, it's just, it's a, just a, one of those challenging seasons in life, right. Where you're just trying to pull things together. And she was just in a lot of pain and she needed to go to the hospital for treatment. And, uh, and she, she, she says like, I need, I need to go, I need to go in and get, and get some treatment. Right. And, and I had that, that day, I, I mean, we were really struggling at, I was the executive director of Corth at that point, And we were really struggling with uh, just finances at that point. I planned my week out and how I was going to spend that day. And I needed to raise this much money, you know, by the end of day one, and I need to raise this much by the end of day two. And, and so, and so that whole day was now shot, you know, with a, with a trip to the hospital and just remember, um, just being so angry with the Lord and saying like, I'm doing everything I can, you know, to try and, and just do what you've asked me to do, which is to keep the money coming into this ministry. And, uh, and, you know, anyway, so I just sort of threw everything in my hands up in the air and I was just angry with him and I couldn't even talk to him for the rest of the day, but I did talk to him then. And uh, later in the day, I thought, well, I better call into the office and just see how things are going. And so I, I called in and, and our, my assistant said, uh, oh, I've got some good news for you. And I was like, oh, what's that? She said, um, um, a man came up, he pulled up on his bicycle and uh, came inside and asked me if he could borrow a pen. I said, okay. And then he pulled out his checkbook and he, uh, he wrote a check. And I, I said, oh, oh, that's really cool. Uh, how much was the check for? And it was for exactly how much that I was hoping to raise that day. And in the memo, it said, and this is thousands of dollars, okay. In the memo, it said, praise God in every situation. I had to pull over. I was a mess. Like I was, you know, it was just like, wow, I'm sorry, Lord. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry for not trusting you. Why didn't I trust you with, of course, I'm supposed to care for my family today and not look after, you know, things in the ministry, right? And uh, so, yeah, it's, um, so he has taught me a lot in my prayer life through different forms of suffering. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I think that's, that's so good. And I was, I was just sharing this last night with our students cause it's, it's Palm Sunday this Sunday. And last night I was talking about uh, right before Jesus like goes into Jerusalem and they have this big, you know, praise party thing, praising him and throwing palm leaves down. There's like this point where it says that Jesus wept over the city and he says, you know, if you only knew the peace I had for you. And I remember thinking that, and you know, in my sort of smallness, I can be like, God, like, really, like, why, why are you doing this? Or like, what are you doing? And I just get so confused. Um, and yeah, I think like that verse to me of him being like, you know, like if you only knew, and I think I have seen that come true in my own life and in others that, you know, even as small of this, I feel like I talk about this a lot, but like, I really, really, really wanted to get out of Listowel and, and to be serving in the community I grew up in has been like a challenge and not like you, if I was like 16 years old, like I would have been like, absolutely not. Like I used to literally right. count down the days till I could leave this place. And, and, you know, 
I, I think about when I was first year and I was like, I don't, I don't understand this. I don't get it. And I mean, that's a pretty mild form of suffering to be in Listowel. I don't say that it's really <laughs> suffering to be in Listowel. <laughs> but I think that idea that like, you know, God knew all of those things. And yeah, that's a powerful story. And I think that fundraising does definitely bring out those moments where you're like, I have to depend on God because I actually can't nope. depend on myself for those things. So yeah, that's that's really cool. Um, how many years have you been working at YFC? I think I just passed 28, 27 or 28. Wow, that's yeah. more than our life. <laughs> we're 23. Yeah, true, wow. true. Yeah. That's before we were born. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, 20, 28 years. So you've served in different capacities. Like you said, you were the executive director in Kawartha. Uh, now the national director of YFC Canada, and you're also a chaplain with the Peterborough Peets, uh, which we'll get to talk about a little bit more. Uh, what are the greatest gifts that you've received serving in those areas? Uh, mentors would be the first kind of greatest gift. And the people that have just come into my life. Um, uh, well, Greg Anderson was kind of the first one, uh, a guy, and I'll share this podcast with Greg when, when when we when it goes live because he was uh, he just invested in me he poured into me he was a local business person in peterborough and he he just saw potential and believed in the mission that we had and he just poured into me and introduced me to people and created opportunities i mean i just got a text just a few minutes ago from brad lominick <clears throat> if you don't know that name he's he's the guy who uh, developed and ran the catalyst conference out of atlanta um, Greg introduced me to Brad 20 years ago. I mean, Brad and I are still friends now. We still, you know, network off each other for different things. But Greg just poured into me, um, like he would see that our vision and mission and, you know, organizational health and stuff was just kind of sloppy because we had no training in that back in those days. And and I, I, had, I had no idea. I was just running an organization. So he, you know, took me to training seminars and bought me books. And then we would do uh, lunches every month and we would talk about the book that he gave me the month before. And, you know, what did I learn from it? And then I, he would give me his office to sit down and to write our mission and our vision and things for, for, for our, our local chapter. And, uh, and then invested heavily financially into our ministry and into us personally as well. So yeah, just a, just an incredible gift. Um, and, and over the last 20 years, uh, sort of the, the most steady kind of gift to me has been uh, John Wilkinson. Uh, I mean, he's been with YFC for a long time, but John has been just such a steady presence in my life. And, and what a gift to have someone you can go to and, and, and ask for advice. And what would you do in this situation? And can you help me edit my email uh, that I have to write this difficult letter? And, um, and uh, just someone who encourages your soul. Um, I think the other thing would be, is the opportunities and like I have, I mean, I there's not enough time to talk about all the opportunities, um, but probably the most impactful opportunity that I've had in all my time with YFC was um, the few days that I got to spend in the hospital with the Humboldt Broncos players right after the accident. Um, I got invited to come out there just because they were desperate for help, and and uh, and another one of my ministry partners, uh, you know, I called them up and said, "Listen, they just called and asked if I could." you know, fly out to Saskatoon and, and be in the hospital with these guys. And he's like, I'll cover your flight, get going, let's go. <laughs> so, um, and so that was so impactful. I just read Caleb, Dal Caleb uh, Daldrine's uh, book. Uh, he just came out last week on, on the, the, on the accident. And uh, 
he was one of the players and just sort of brought back everything afresh, you know, from that time in the hospital, remembering when that player was misidentified or remembering when, you know, the trainer passed away and, and then ministering to different families uh, in that environment. And then a friendship that came out of that was with Sean Brando, uh, the chaplain for the Humboldt Broncos. Sean has, you know, become one of my, even though we're far apart, like one of my closest brothers um, in uh, just in caring and sharing for each other in ministry. And um, yeah, praying together, sharing a scripture, calling each other up, encouraging one another. Um, so yeah, that's been, uh, th those are kind of the, the gifts that I feel I've received. It's cool. Uh, yeah. And it's funny, you said, you know, if you hadn't been in YFC, like you might be doing something to do with like sports or hockey or something like that. And it's kind of cool that hockey is still like a piece of what you're uh, doing with your ministry and that you get to do kind of that piece of it, even as you do like your national position. Um, so you're the chaplain and leadership coach for the the Pete's of the Ontario Hockey League, right? Yeah. Yeah. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what it's like working with this team, you know, joys, challenges, and yeah, I know you've had some pretty cool opportunities even within that to talk about that. So yeah, tell us a little bit what that's like and yeah, uh, yeah some of the things you get to do. Well, I, I'll tell you how quickly how I got into that. It, it, we don't have a whole lot of time, but uh, we we were, um, one of our ministry partners um, was uh, is, has season's tickets for the Pete's and, and then they billeted a family this is back in 06 and they, uh, they billeted a family and, and as, as billet families, sorry, billeted a player as billet families, they would get two tickets, but they already had six tickets. So they didn't need two tickets. So they called me up and said, um, would you, uh, you know, it's, this is a, sorry, I got to back up. This is a great story. Clay, my oldest at the time, he was six or seven uh, and sitting in the backseat of the car driving uh, to school. And uh, he says, Hey dad, can we go to the Pete's game tomorrow night? And I said, uh, well, um, yeah, we have, we, we can, but you know, it'd be better if we went next week because I get paid next week and you know, I can afford the tickets. He says, so it's a money thing, dad. And I said, well, today it is. Well, can I pray and ask God for tickets? I was like, well, yeah, but I mean, like God's not a candy machine, but like, yeah, I guess you could pray and ask God, but sure, sure. Oh no. What are we doing here? And, uh, <laughs> So anyway, he, he just puts his hands together in the backseat of the car, this little beautiful boy, and says, Lord Jesus, I would just really love to go to the Pete's game tomorrow night. Can you please give you, my dad and I some tickets? <laughs> that night, I got a phone call from one of our ministry partners, and he said, hey, I've got uh, two extra tickets for the Pete's game tomorrow night. Would you and Clay be interested in going? No way. Yeah. And then I said, uh, uh, yeah, uh, <laughs> actually let me tell you what just happened. So, but before I even got those words out, he says, uh, actually, we've got these tickets for the whole season and we can't really use them. W would you take them for the whole season? And so then I told the story of Clay Bray in the back and anyway, we just had this great yeah, relationship ever since. So they sit, they sit up behind us and we, we sat there and the Pete's won the OHL that year. And, uh, and he kind of came down at the end of the last game and we were all cheering and, and he says, listen, we've enjoyed watching you guys so much that we bought those seats for you for next year. And so that was just incredible, right? So, uh, and, and that family has bought us season's tickets for season's tickets every year since 2006. And wow. we've got great season centers. Anyway, so I'm at, so we, we're going for about five years to these games. And that's, that's, my, that's my only interaction with it. We go to the games and the kids go do skates with the Pete's on the ice and stuff. And I got to know a few players a little bit, but not really. Um, the chaplain at the time was named Dave Fisher, and he um, uh, was Mike Fisher's uncle uh, who played with uh, the Nashville Predators and Ottawa Senators. And uh, Dave said, uh, 
listen, I'm, I've got to take a leave. Um, would you be interested in taking over for me? Um, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> so I, uh, <clears throat> so anyway, long story short, I took over the next Monday and uh, had no idea what I was doing. And by the end of that season, we kind of, because of new guy and stuff, uh, we kind of dwindled down to about eight or nine players that would come to chapel every other week. And uh, that season, <clears throat> the head coach was fired. The general manager was fired. Everybody was fired because they had a terrible year and uh, new GM and, and, and everything. And so they asked me if uh, I, I would end up meet with the GM and just said, listen, I you know, just want to talk about the chapel program that we do. And he was like, no, no, we're not doing a chapel program. You know, how many guys go? And I said, well, you know, we had about 16 guys that kind of dropped off to about eight. Nope, nope, don't need something that's going to divide our team. Uh, nope, not going to do that. And then he kind of thought for, I'm a bit of a sales guy, right? I got a bit of a sales background. So there's a little in, in sales, uh, we say he who speaks last loses. Okay, that's that. So he was the last one to speak. So I just, I stopped. I just sat there and looked at him. And the room kind of got quiet and awkward. And then he says, uh, well, let me ask you a question. What have you got invested in this team? And I said, well, I've been a season ticket holder for the last four years. All right, we'll give Chapel a try then. And that was it. So we, uh, so we kept going. And, and now, I mean, every team except for four in the OHL have chapels. Um, we've got uh, all over junior hockey, there's chapels. And it's not just because of Peterborough, but Peterborough is the first one in the OHL. So anyway, that's how I got involved. It's been, a, it's, been, um, it's been great. We've Most seasons, we have full participation of the team. They all come. They don't have to come. They all come. Uh, the general manager promotes um, what we do to the parents as a recruiting tool. So, and then after, after that little introduction talk, uh, I end up parents come approaching me all over the rink. This team is a chaplain. No way, man. We haven't been able to go to church for years because, you know, because our kids have been playing hockey on Sundays and this is incredible. Like, do you do a service with them? And yeah, if they want to come, we do a service. Get out of town. Like it's, it, I've never had anybody say that's a really bad idea. Everybody has been, that is a really good idea. And I think we undersell ourselves uh, with that often, right? Thinking, well, how are we going to kind of squeak this thing in when the reality is, I think a lot of people are really interested in what we do. So anyway, that's sort of a long answer to how I got involved um, to that. You asked about challenges and joys and challenges. Um, Biggest joy uh, player was sent to the hospital uh, with a bad, bad injury, and uh, it was going to, it was bad, and, and the general manager was in the hospital with him, and the player said, the, the GM said, listen, I got to run out and grab some things, is there anything I can get for you, and the player said, um, Skittles, and Tim Coles, so this is, so, so the GM called me up and said, hey, any chance you could come down to St. Mike's, or Sunnybrook in Toronto, and, uh, I was there in an hour because uh, Christine said, go, go, go. Anyway, so that, that, those are joys, right? When you're the, you're the one they want, you know, after Skittles, uh, that's really a joy. Um, having the chance to influence dozens of young men uh, with the gospel um, through, through, through chapel. And uh, we've, and there's a bunch of them in the NHL right now and we stay in touch. You know, it's, it's fun. We've, I don't know, most nights there's usually at least one player on the ice that I know um, from our journey with, uh, with the chapel ministry. And that's a lot of fun. Um, challenges. I, I get nervous, like crazy before every talk, like, oh, I don't know. I can't get past it. I just, I'm, I'm a mess before every time I 
talk with these 16 to 20 year olds. I don't know why, but that's my biggest challenge. <laughs> well, that's comforting to hear because I get nervous. I'm like, okay, if Tim Coles gets nervous before speaking, so can I. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> awful. I, I can't eat. I can't do anything. Mm. It's terrible. That is so yeah. cool. As, as you're talking, I'm just thinking about like how God just works in the shadows in ways that we don't even see from your son's prayer in the backseat of your vehicle to where you are now. Yeah. Insane. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it. And, and, I, and I share that story with the guys every year when I'm introducing what we do, because I want them to know that this is not about religion. This is not about following a bunch of rules. This is not about, you know, about some things that we're going to do that you can check the box and this is about a relationship with God who is very real, very relational, and loves us very, very much. And, uh, and so, yeah, we, we, uh, we get to do that every year. And the guys that have been around, like they've been around, like there for four years, like in their fourth year, they, before that very first chapel, look up and go, are you, you going to tell that story again? <laughs> and I'd be like, aren't you tired of hearing it? No, I love that story. It's telling it. So yeah, it's great. I usually take longer to tell it there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Such a gift. That's good. Mm. Yeah. I also love too how God allows us to serve him by doing things that we love to do. Like for you at the beginning, when we asked you, like, what did you think your life would look like? Like hockey, sports manage- management, something like that. And you're doing that. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. It's uh, it, that's the opportunities that come from, I think when you throw yourself at something and you, at, you know, like I just think of, um, and I have to give my wife credit. I mean, my wife's been amazing. Like I, I, the, when the humble Broncos bus crash, crash happened, I heard about it on a flight home from Vancouver. I literally got in the door, drove home at, six, at whatever time my flight landed at seven o'clock in the morning. I took a red eye. I drove home and I, I was home for 20 minutes and Christine saying, you've got to get out there. Like I'd just been away that whole week, right? She's got two kids at home and she's saying, you've got to get out there. Um, and so like, yeah, I owe a lot to my wife for that. But yeah, it's amazing when the, just the opportunities that we get. It's crazy. And when you say yes to things, I think one of the things that drives me nuts is people that aren't willing to just say mm. yes. I think one of the most exciting opportunities that, that we had, and I know I've seen your question, I think this, I'm probably supposed to answer this later on, but one of the most exciting opportunities that we had was a friend of mine um, had a, just had this big idea of running a music festival where he could invite people to church on Sunday morning at the music festival. So that was his big idea. So it was a sec, you know, be a, like a, just a regular music festival. And on Sunday morning, we would have a, he would have a church service. Like he would, he called it a gospel brunch idea. And so he pulled together this crazy um, music festival, which is called Boots and Hearts Music Festival. And, you know, it's a Juno award winning festival of the year. I mean, it's, and, and, uh, and, like about six weeks before the festival, before year one, he realized that everything, the headliners, the bands, that everything was ready to go, except he forgot all about Sunday morning. And uh, shoot, what am I going to do? So he called me up and, and he said, Tim, could you bail me out? Could you help me with this? And, uh, and, and I said, well, what do you want to do? He goes, well, we want to feed 15,000 people a free breakfast. And I don't have any money to do that with. And we also want need to pull together a, a, a church service, you know, that people can hear the good news of Jesus at. I was like, okay, let's do it. <laughs> so I said, what, like, how much, what's the budget? And he says, I don't have a budget. I'm like, okay, 15,000 people. Okay. All right. Well, we're in. 
So uh, we raised the money. I think it cost us about $30,000 to feed 15,000 people. We did it really cheap. Um, the next year we did uh, pancakes. Like we served uh, 10,000 people pancakes. Um, but we would have between 6,000 and 17,000 people show up to church on Sunday morning. And uh, it was incredible. Uh, and it's those kind of things, like you, those are opportunities that you just have to say, well, you have to plan and everything else, but you just have to say yes sometimes mm -hmm. to God-sized opportunities and, and allow God to, I remember one time, one year, like Shannon, we did this for, his name's Shannon McNeven. Um, and he's now the, this is back to the first story we, you know, I think I shared about uh, Dallas Smith. I mean, he manages Dean Brody and um, Breck Laws and different bands now. So, um, so that's why we were at that concert standing backstage with, with Dean Brody. But the, uh, he, uh, he, he, he just, he, over, we would get into this thing, you know, for five years we did this and, and every year, like, you know, the festival, the, one of the key, uh, investors in the festival wasn't really crazy about this gospel brunch idea he would let shannon do it but it wasn't really crazy about it so it wasn't going to come out of the festival budget basically and so every year i had to raise the money to feed ten thousand people pancakes and uh like it you know it would end up being you know twenty five thirty thousand dollars that we have just just for breakfast right and uh and god i remember one year i called shannon up and i was like shannon like i'm stressed right out about this i can't i don't know where we're gonna find the money this year and we yelled at each other over the <laughs> phone and and uh and then i then you know an hour later we you know, like he called me back he's like tim i'm really sorry let we let's just pray about this right let's just pray about this i'm so sorry i put you in this position and uh, we prayed about it and oh my goodness you know god provided like in one phone call we had all the money we needed right wow. so anyway yeah yeah amazing Wow. So, so cool. I love hearing stories like, and it's funny that Jesus knows that about people that we often learn best through stories is why he taught through parables and all these things, but God's goodness and his provision in your life. It's so encouraging me to see as you reflect over your life and the different things that he's done in the different places where you've served that he's met you every single time. And as we think about for you at YFC, um, I'm blown away by the way that you care for our nation, like the way that you care for us as staff. I remember um, the last in-person um, Eastern Regional event, I was chatting with somebody and it was, you just released the new logo and all these things and you stopped and you're like, oh, are you the girl in the video? There's like one shot of this girl who actually looked like me. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, I don't think so, but that's just the kind of person you are like super personable. You actually yeah. genuinely care about us and you long for people to know Jesus, whether it's at YFC, yeah. whether it's with staff, whether it's the youth that we serve, whether it's, um, in hockey, as you look over your life, the ways that God has led you through some amazing seasons and walked with you in incredibly, incredibly difficult times. What do you treasure the most about God? He is he just meets us right where we are i think i think if we could see god and <clears throat> boy i wish we could see him sometimes i think i think what we would see is i think we would see him with that you know that you know that fatherly smile of i know mm. I, I know yeah i it's okay i know and he knows what the outcome's going to be and he knows that we're kicking and screaming as we go through that. He's just got that gentle smile on his face. 
It's okay. It'll be okay. And I think that's where we need to meet him. Uh, too often we try and take everything in, into our control and, uh, and we, you know, try to, you know, dictate the outcome and instead, and, and we need to obviously, you know, be active and work hard and do all those things. And that, those are just part of life responsibilities. But when there's things that are completely out of our control, he is there and he just wants us to invite him into that situation. Like the example I gave you, you know, Shannon and I fighting about, you know, the, the funds for, um, the, to, to, for, for what? So people could hear about Jesus and eat a free meal, right? That was what we were fighting about. And it was because I was trying to control it and I didn't know how I could control it. And uh, when we gave it to the Lord, he, he met us right where we were. And I, I think that's, you know, there's so much in life where he just, we, we, have, we have the wrong perspective. We don't have an end of life perspective on our problem, on our situation that we're in right now. And we, he just wants us to, to this, this, the world is full of suffering. And people say, if, well, if God is real, then he would, there wouldn't be suffering. Well, if we had just been walking with him in the garden, like we were supposed to be in the beginning, there wouldn't be suffering. It's actually not on him. It's on us. And um, so he knows about that and he's there. And yeah, I just, that's, that's the perspective I just wish that people could have about God and one that I, you know, fight to maintain sometimes because I have to be in control. I think that's a powerful perspective. I think, especially for people who are not there yet. Like I think of some of the young people that listen to this, who, who haven't been able to come out on the other side of things yet and see that God was there through their suffering and to hear that he's there right now is, is a powerful thing. Um, to end off, we have two questions we like to ask everybody. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is one of my favorite questions to ask people in general. And so we always like to ask it. And that's, what's the best piece of advice that you've been given? The best piece of advice I've been given? Uh, wow. Um, <clears throat> I don't know. I can't think of what's the best piece of advice that I've been given. I, it would probably be trusting the Lord with all your heart lean not in your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge him and he'll make your path straight. I mean, that's scripture, but I mean, certainly I've been given that piece of advice, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own understanding, which is what we just talked about mm -hmm. in all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Uh, that would be the best advice. That verse is the reason I'm at YFC because mm -hmm. I read it and I was like, God, if this is really true, then show me where to go. And so I was like, for the next year, I'm going to follow you. I just want you to show me the path because if you make my path straight, like you say, you will hear. So I kind of put them to the test a little bit. And of course I said the ends of the earth, like I'll go to the ends of the earth. If you, if you make my path straight, I'll trust you in that. And then the end of the earth was listable to stay put. Mm -hmm. uh, so funny, but yeah, I think that's, that's a great piece of advice. And yeah, that's, I'm able to be here hearing this from you because of that. So that's, yeah. that's good advice. Um, yeah, this season we're talking about, about story. And I mean, I just love hearing all the stories of the things that God has done. And yeah, just to see how God has been part of the process. Um, what story are you hoping to write that will be told about you years down the road? Mm. I hope 
that people look at my life and say, wasn't God faithful? Um, I think like that's, that's what I hope people see that they would, that they would look and see, wasn't God faithful? Um, really nothing about me. I, um, and, and, and then I suppose, yes, I, I guess probably as a legacy then to my kids, I would want them to say, and wasn't my dad faithful to God? Um, I think just faithfulness, you know, God is faithful and, and we just need to see him as faithful and stop fighting with him. He is faithful. He's there. Um, and then, yeah, then it would be that, that just to be an encouragement to others and wasn't, wasn't he faithful to God? Yeah. Mic drop. The final one. <laughs> Tim, thank you so much for joining us. I have really enjoyed just soaking up yeah, the stories that you shared, but the wisdom that you have too. Um, it's fun seeing you at conferences and, and too, it's like Tim Coles, the YFC national director, but it is, it's a real gift to sit here with you because as you're talking, you, you just want to be obedient to Christ, regardless of the position you're in, regardless of the season you're in, regardless of where you are to be obedient to him. So thank you so much for encouraging us in that way. Um, Ainsley and I are 23 and <laughs> we, uh, sometimes I feel anyways, I'm like, I'm a young adult, like I'm a young person ministering to young people, which I think is, it is a gift. Um, so thank you so much for doing that for us here today. We really appreciate it. Thank you. I have enjoyed this today and I have enjoyed listening to your podcast and I've enjoyed sharing your podcast with people. So thank you. Thanks for doing this. This mm -hmm. is great. Oh, well, we appreciate that. So it's been great. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. We have more amazing conversations coming out that you won't want to miss every single Monday. So make sure you subscribe on whatever podcast platform you're using. And you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Just Work Friends. And if you're enjoying the podcast, feel free to give it a review so we can see what you guys are enjoying. Bye. See you. <laughs> Toodaloo. Oh. <laughs> fun, fun, fun.